Hello, welcome to Basecamp for Men. I'm your host, Tony Rezac. This is the show that gives you insights and resources on how to live a more courageous life. We'll be looking at men, the current state of masculinity, and how to create a more inspiring narrative for all men. Welcome and let's get started. Hello, base campers. I hope you're all doing well. Throughout the shit show that was COVID-19, one thing that was absolutely appalling to me was how quickly Americans rolled over to the obvious globalist and Marxist agenda. I imagine these sociopaths laughing at us and how quickly we masked up, got the experimental jab, and turned on one another for quote-unquote wrong think. They totally played us, and except for a few fighters, we bent the knee. I thought Americans were supposed to be the feisty ones, the rebellious ones who thumbed our noses at corrupt authority in favor of personal freedom and sovereignty. I guess not so much. So I went on a mission to find others who still had fight in them, citizens who still stand and live in American principles rather than men and women who acquiesce and comply. You following me? And I started to slowly find them, like my guest today, someone who is standing up to the government indoctrination program and embodying the principles of freedom, parental rights, and family first, and is looking to strengthen an education system that has been clearly under attack from Marxist thinkers and bureaucrats who have betrayed our nation and our young people. The globalists think they can do whatever they please with our young people, indoctrinate them in the most insane Marxist ideology. These things have awakened something in mothers and fathers, at least the ones paying attention. Let's go find out what the Moms for Liberty are noticing. Here we go. My guest today is Tiffany Justice. Tiffany is a wife and mom of four school-aged children. She's a former school board member in Florida and the co-founder of the national organization Moms for Liberty. Here is my interview with Tiffany Justice. All right. I am here with Tiffany Justice, co-founder of Moms for Liberty, uh, leader, patriot, Tiffany Justice. Tiffany, welcome to Base Camp for Men. It is great to have you on the show. Thank you so much for having me today. Yeah. You know, I came first. I just wanted to acknowledge you uh, for all of your leadership and courage. Um, I can imagine there's a lot of people out there that were seeing things happening during COVID and beyond. Um, were very alarmed and maybe didn't get into action. And I just I just want to start by acknowledging that you're somebody that that got in action, created Moms for Liberty. Um, and you know that that helps the rest of humanity. It helps we the people because people see, oh, she's doing this. They can jump on what you're doing, but also maybe create something else that represents we the people. Uh, that wasn't there before. So thank you for doing that and and being a, a, a true American, you know, uh, standing for our freedom. So thank you for that. And I guess my first question is, uh, how did you come to start Moms for Liberty? Was it during the lockdowns? Like, what was the impetus to start it? How how did that come about? Uh, what were the reasons uh, uh, that you were seeing that that needed to be started? Yeah, thank you very much for all of that. Um, I was blessed, as was Tina Deskovich, who's the co-founder of Moms for Liberty with me. Um, We both served as school board members. And it's so interesting because we didn't know each other when we were serving on school board. But we were moms uh, with children in public school also serving on that school board. And it gave us such an interesting perspective um, during our time serving. So I um, have four children. And um, all of my kids were in public school. 
Uh, they range now in ages from 17 down to 11. Mm -hmm. um, you can at the time when I, I ran for school board, my youngest wasn't yet in school. Um, and, and so 2016 to 2020, uh, the term ended November 2020. So Tina and I were both on school board on March 13th, 2020, when it seemed like the world kind of stopped. Mm -hmm. um, that was the day that, you know, Ron DeSantis came out and said Florida schools were going to be closing. Um, mm -hmm. We saw schools all over the country closing. And we both, again, didn't really know each other. Um, both had a, had the same reaction to, to, to that, to that understanding that schools were going to be closed, mm -hmm. um, that it was this sinking feeling uh, in the pit of my stomach. And I said, I remember standing in the district office and I said, oh, this is not good. Mm -hmm. And Tina had the same feeling. And so I think there are some people who were just blessed with this kind of visceral kind of reaction, this, this yeah. feeling that what we were about to, to go through and what this country was about to struggle through was going to be a, a very difficult path to go down. Um, so the term ends, our term ends November, the end of November in 2020. So from March 13th uh, through November, Tina and I both fought to get schools back open. And then once they were open, um, the, the teachers union in Florida sued to try to keep the schools closed. Mm -hmm. And then once schools were open, um, we both worked very, very hard to try to protect parental rights. Yep. Um, we were in a really dark place with the districts thinking that they had a lot of rights to direct the education and upbringing of our children that they did not actually have. Mm -hmm. And um, we watched as parents all over the country were, uh, their kids weren't going back to school in many places. For example, in San Francisco, schools were closed for 18 months. Mm -hmm. um, and parents were talking about their children and what they were experiencing. We would talk to parents about concerns about forced masking, about the healthy quarantining of children. And just really that, kids had been been made to shoulder the burden uh, of adult fear and selfishness there was so much selfish selfishness and tina and i saw parents stepping up and mm -hmm. trying to speak out but they were being handled by the district they were being managed they were being yeah. retaliated against their kids were being retaliated against and we recognized that we wanted these parents to be effective advocates and we saw an opportunity um to to do what we think we know needed to be done for a very long time, which is mm -hmm. reclaim public education. Mm -hmm. And um and, and and just to be clear, during our time on school board, uh, we saw the rampant educational failure. We saw it uh, very, mm -hmm. very it was very close to us. We got to see it firsthand and we got to see the influence that the teachers unions had in your children's education and um and, and the excuses being made for rampant educational failure. And so um, we like to think of this as COVID lemonade, yeah. um, this, this opportunity to harness the energy of parents to really, um, take back our country. And so we started Moms for Liberty January of 2021 with two chapters in our own backyards, uh, in our own communities with moms who had been sitting across from us in the audience while we were on the dais on school board. Mm -hmm. uh, and very quickly it spread around the country. And now we have, uh, over 270 chapters in, in 45 states. Uh, with over 110,000 active members, moms and dads who who are actively fighting uh, for the future of our children. What 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 are the core 
the core kind of principles that you're standing for? Is it is it that per, for parental rights is that one of the really big foundational ones, or is there other ones? What what is what if you were described like we stand in these principles? What what would they be? Yeah. So so we have a mission statement. The mission statement is um, we are fighting for the survival of America mm-hmm. by unifying, educating, and empowering parents to defend their parental rights at all levels of government. So yes, certainly parental rights. We do have values that we hold true. Um, that at, at the national level and all of our chapters as well, um, we stand for truth, we build mm-hmm. relationships, and we empower others. And, and those are the core values of our organization. What What is something that people might not know about what's going on in the schools? Um, you know, there's a lot of people that don't know what's going on in the schools because they don't have kids. So they it exists is like, why are these people complaining? Uh, you know, it seems like the schools, you know, they're, they're something's happening. Test scores are down again, you know, what's going on. And I, I don't think, you know, I'm in Washington, which is not right now a state that's known for freedom. You know what I mean? Like I, I'm, I'm behind the iron curtain as a patriot, which is just weird. But I had the experience of, you know, my son was in public school, um, but we sidestepped that this uh, last year because we're like, it's, we're a severe minority. Like we can't get, you know, and what they were telling us is like no parents on the campus by any means. Like there can be no parents, you know, of course they use COVID like it's COVID parents can't be on the campus. Well, they've never changed that since they just said, you know, you can't be on the campus, uh, there was there they said you know we're going to start a health clinic and there'll be vaccinations there um and there was this really kind of thing where they were not being clear about whether or not they needed to get the parental uh approval you know and i'm like wait a minute they're they're like ang- we're out of the school we can't even go there according to them and now they're saying they're going to set up some covid health clinic that I can't weigh in on or send him a note with. They're just kind of saying, we're just going to do what we want to do with your kids. And we're just going to do it. And you guys can come down to the, come down to the school board and gripe. Uh, but unless there's a mob down there, we're just going to keep doing what we're doing. That's, that's how it was for us. And we just pulled our, our teenager out. We just said, we're not, we're not doing this. This is you're in danger there as far as we're concerned. So I, what, what do you, what don't, and some parents don't really, they're just like, oh yeah, you know, it is weird that we can't go and weigh in, you know, and they're just, they're half asleep, I think. And there's just a whole population of people who just don't really understand what's going on with education, or they think I'm a conspiracy theorist because I'm saying, you know, they they won't even let us in there. Um, how, yeah, I mean, the yeah. role of the, the role of, of, of our government schools, and let's be honest, mm-hmm. that's what we have. We have mm-hmm. government schools, right? Mm-hmm. The role of the government schools has continued to expand since their creation. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think a lot of parents have been lulled into a, a sense of of complacency into, you know, in the school does all of these functions and they're going to feed your kids when you're there. Right. And they're going to yeah. all of these. So so it's just made it very easy for parents to kind of step back and to not be as involved as they normally would have. And, mm-hmm. and I'd like to talk about Washington state and what's Mm -hmm. happening in Washington state with what you talked about health clinics, but it's something broader called community schools Mm. um, that the CDC is pushing and you and Washington are on the the forefront of this happening. Um, 
really at the heart of all of this, to make it very simple, um, the state, the government, now truly believes that they know better than you, the parent, for your child. Yep. Um, they they truly do. Um, we see instances of this all over the country every day. Um, we see instances of teachers now on video accuracy and media project Veritas going into schools and asking teachers undercover, you know, now that this law is passed, how's it going to change what you're teaching? Oh, it's not going to change it. We're going to do it anyway. We just call mm-hmm. it something else. So yeah. there there's this real messianic kind of, I think, role that the schools feel that they're playing, these teachers are playing, where they really think they're kind of liberating the children from this oppressive, uh, this oppressive notion of family. Yeah, and, exactly. And, and right. And and, yeah. and so they really do believe that. Uh, it's very, very dangerous. And, and what Tina and I talk about all the time is, mm-hmm. if you don't have the right to direct the upbringing of your children, if that's not recognized, mm-hmm. you really don't have anything. This yeah. country was founded on the principles of family and faith. And so when we see faith being weaponized against parents, as it is right now with a lot of the gender ideology issues that we're yeah. dealing with, you know, families being considered to be threats to their child because there's it's known that the family holds religious belief. Um, we saw that here in Florida in a case where parents with information was withheld from parents because they were known to be Catholic. Yeah. Um so, you know, we're seeing religion weaponized. We're seeing parental it, rights. This is a fundamental right. It, it seems like we're getting awfully close to uh, you don't agree with our our agenda, our Marxist agenda. Uh, uh, child services is coming for your kid. You know what I mean? Like, it's literally like it sounds like fantastical, like, oh, they would never. But it's like you could start to see that kind of behavior where it's just like all the cancel culture and all that stuff. Now it's like this war on the families. Um, it it's, it's really unbelievable. My dad spent his entire career in public education. He was a business manager in public education and he's like completely mortified. He's like, what in the hell is going on? What is going on with this woke agenda and the teachers union? What are they jamming down the, the, the kids throats and how are they getting away with this? We have an island here, Vashon Island, you know, because I talk about sometimes the transgender ed- education and what it's doing. It's an island and something like 50% of the young people are transitioning. And I brought that up to a, a liberal friend of mine. And he's like, yeah, that's that's really weird. Why do you think that's happening? I'm like, because they're grooming it. They're, they're, it's a yeah, it's like, that's not, those parents didn't want their daughters to be sons and their sons to be daughters. There's no way, but because they they get it in, they get this virus into the schools and then the peer pressure of, you know, Hey, we're all transitioning and that's the thing to do. And it's inclusive and we're going to, you know, it's just, it's insanity. I don't, I don't know why more parents aren't standing up going, this is ridiculous. Well, I mean, I can tell you why, you know, unfortunately we have a false consensus of, of the medical community. Um, and, and it's going to mm-hmm. take some time to, to break that down. Mm-hmm. Um, but luckily in Florida, uh, the Florida board of medicine has met and, and has said several meetings. They are changing the standard of care for 
gender dysphoria. So this idea of affirmation, medical affirmation, affirmation in general Mm -hmm. is not the first step. What we know about children that present with this idea of gender dysphoria, and I'm not going to give it the credence saying that it is gender dysphoria. In fact, I don't think it is. I do think it's a contagion. If you'd like to learn more about that, uh, Abigail Schreier wrote an amazing book called Irreversible Damage. I suggest that your listeners Mm -hmm. listen to it. Um, But, you know, these children present with all kinds of other issues. Um, something like 35% of the, the children, the girls that were being treated at the Tavistock Clinic in, in the UK were presenting with uh, moderate to severe autism. Now, we know that girls, it's harder to diagnose autism in girls. Um, it often goes undiagnosed. And so I would imagine that that number was much, much higher. But when you look at that and take a step back, you're dealing with a very vulnerable population of children. Um, and and I really believe that this gives a sense of belonging to them. Um, mm-hmm. it, it, it gives them a way to be different, but yet celebrated. And, and there's no reason why they can't be different, but celebrated um, and, and not have to present with this horribly life-altering um, yeah. experience that, you know, as we are talking to all of these 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 young women, these detransitioners de- and hearing their stories mm-hmm. where they have realized that, in fact, they were not suffering from gender dysphoria, um, it's heartbreaking to it hear um, how their lives have been changed. Absolutely. Um, you know, how how have you been holding up? How has it been for you, this whole battle? Uh, you know, it's I, I've stated it, it. It is a biblical battle, I'd say. But also, you know, I frame it as globalists, you know, the the, the globalist world world health organization, all the all the different uh uh you know organizations that support this kind of totalitarian and communist agenda against we the people and humanity on the other side with their freedom and their family values and God and and you know it it I get called all these different names. It doesn't matter. I mean it I was just stunned during covid as an american how fast americans threw their freedoms just like no we're all in this together i'm gonna mask up uh you know we're we're not doing anything we're not you know we're just gonna follow fauci follow bill gates like whatever they say we're gonna do i was mortified as an american i'm like where's your guts like stand for what we are about as Americans, which is freedom, liberty, uh, you know, God and country. And I'm not, you know, I'm a new conservative, basically. I was a lifelong liberal. So for me, I was like, I can't believe people are going along with this, you know, and they were in Seattle. Now it's different where you're at. I think you guys were much more, you know, you had a better governor and you guys are more the freedom state. But I mean, we were up here in Seattle. Oh, if you would have come up here, you'd have been like, what in the hell is going on? It looks like communist China here, the way people are behaving. Um, I don't know. That wasn't really a question. I guess my question is, how has it been? How are you holding up? Uh, you know, has it been fatiguing? Are you, are, do you feel like, you know, we're, we're making headway, we're winning. I mean, what, what is your take on this whole kind of dynamic that I, I've sort of framed as a spiritual war because it's got all the markings of that. I, I think it is a it is a spiritual war in many ways. I do believe we're in the middle of a cultural revolution in America. Mm-hmm. Um, James Lindsay, who is on our board of advisors, who has become a friend, talks often about the building of the Red Guard in America. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and if you're not listening to his podcast and would like to understand more, um, go to New Discourses and listen to him. He's an interesting gentleman with some interesting um, kind of drawing, some interesting connections. Mm-hmm. You're absolutely right uh, that this is global. Um, the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals of 2030, there are 17 of them. If you haven't seen them before, go to the United Nations website, take a look, uh, and, and and you'll be able to draw direct lines into what's happening across the United States and how mm-hmm. we're really doing the bidding for this global organization um, mm-hmm. that's undermining every institution that we have in the country. I think we need to be really honest about the fact that there are a number of different institutions, different areas where um, I think freedom-loving patriots have not been as active as we should be. Mm-hmm. Um, education is one of those areas. In fact, I think it's really one of the biggest battlegrounds because our children's education uh, and, and the children of this country truly are the future of this country. Um, a nation of children who are illiterate, a nation of mm-hmm. adults who are illiterate, who have no ability to discern anything, to ask questions, to actually be critical thinkers. There's a lot of critical theory going yeah. on in schools, yeah. but there's not a lot of critical thinking being right. encouraged in schools. Those are very different. Um you know, really, really important for us to recognize. So, you know, how am I doing? I'm doing great because I'm watching these other moms around the country and dads that are standing up and fighting back. And that's really encouraging. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I I think Tina and I were prepared for this mm-hmm. um, in, in some way. Our time on the school board was not uneventful. And um, I got used to being called names and I got used to being uh, threatened and attacked a bit in my own mm-hmm. community. Um, and I, I think that was kind of a dry run. So, um, yeah. you know, we try to help moms to stand up. We try to help them to realize that, you know, the name calling is a tactic. It's a strategy. Yeah. Um, you know, it's meant to break you down. And, and what we really do need to do is just reject that. Um, mm-hmm. And and to stay focused on, you know, fighting for our children, our focus at Moms for Liberty going forward um, over the next year is going to be really focused on student achievement and parental rights. Our, our mm-hmm. children are not learning to read in school. I'm sure a lot of your listeners recently heard about Baltimore schools, Baltimore, Maryland, where 23 schools had zero children, zero percent, no children proficient in math. Um mm-hmm. We they spent sixteen thousand dollars a year on in Baltimore schools on on children's education. Yeah. Sixteen thousand dollars a year. Um, most private schools cost a fraction of that. To be honest with you, there are some elite, obviously, that are very expensive. But the average private school tuition is not sixteen thousand dollars. It's actually quite a bit less. And so, the idea that we're spending this huge amount of money. Um, and 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 really wasting years of these children's lives is unacceptable. And uh, our focus is going to be really on, you know, redrawing the boundary between school and home. Parents need to be the ones to do that, by the way. Parents, if you're listening, you need to redraw the boundary and you need yeah. to set the expectation of what it is you want your child to get out of school. Uh, and really working to help to make the schools more customer focused, really putting the children and the families and the parents ahead of the system, which is going to be difficult for the schools to do. They're very they're very used to protecting the system, but the system yeah. is, is is falling apart. So, um, you know, we, schools we had, can't do it alone. We had we had a, a friend that transferred over to the school that my son goes to out of public school as a sophomore 
And I was talking to her and she goes, yeah, in my entrance exam, I didn't do too good on the reading. And I'm like, well, why not? And she goes, well, we haven't read a book in public school since fifth grade. And, and I was just like, whoa, I mean, because it's all ideology, right? They're, they're not covering any of the basics. They're actually kind of dumbing everybody down. Um, I was going to ask you, did you ever read uh, the 1776 commission report, uh, which was put out by Trump, uh, a whole bunch of people from on Trump's team, but it was like Hillsdale College and it was like re-envisioning an American education. And when you read through it, it was just like, oh my God, this is so much better than what the way we're doing it right now. Like if we educate, you know, students on those principles, we, there's, there's going to be such a brighter future. It's, it's just going to, but like, to your point, how do we, how do we implement that? It seems like a miles off from where we're at because the school board, the schools are so entrenched in bureaucracy and protecting, you know, the, the, the turf war that they have. Um, but I, you know, it could happen in a generation perhaps. I don't know. I don't know what your thoughts are on that, but. I think it absolutely can. And I think your point, you know, where we started and you said, you know, you were surprised that Americans didn't stand up and push back and speak out. I had an interview with another gentleman, Daniel Kotzen, who was a former San, he was from San Francisco, moved to Denver, uh, a dad who said, you know, where's the fight in the, in the teenagers and the college kids, you're supposed to, you know, rage against the machine. And instead, you know, here they are there. Where was the fight? And, um, I, I think to your point about the 1776 commission report and, and a lot of the different civics work that we need to do, I, I, I don't think we talk enough about communism. I don't yeah. think we talk enough about, you know, the dangers of communism, the lives that have been lost because of communism. Um, and, and I don't think we talk enough about the founding of our country and the, and the pr- mm-hmm. founding principles of our country um, and how amazing um, our constitution is. So, mm-hmm. Um, you know, really going back and, and trying to to have better civic education and, and really giving people the understanding about why America was founded, what the purpose was, and and what our founding documents say um, is extraordinarily necessary right now because yep. our children are being taught to hate America in yep. school. They are being taught that America is systemically racist and broken, and and like a true Marxist, it must all be torn down in order to create something else. You know that they're yep. trapped in this prison. Of America, um, yep. you know, so I, I think we need to do a better job of, of educating our kids. And just from the perspective of Moms for Liberty, you know, part of of what we do is encouraging and helping parents and 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 raising a new generation of patriots, yeah, a new generation of children that are watching their parents fight for this country. Um, we say we're joyful warriors. Uh, we fight like hell with a smile on our faces yeah. uh, because it's a privilege to fight for this country. And there are many that have lost their lives fighting for this country. Um, and so I, I think that there are a lot of lessons uh, and a lot's been taken for granted. Um, but we have been given an amazing opportunity in America right now to save our country. I truly believe that. Um, and we must all work together. Everyone has a role to play. Um, but I think the next few years are going to be crucial. And and I'm just hoping it's not too late, to be honest with you, and working in the yep. spirit of the fact it's not too late, because I have four little kids who uh, are, are looking at me to ensure that uh, we're creating the country, uh, that they'll be able to live and thrive and raise their own children in someday. That's beautifully said. I'm in total alignment with you. I love it that you're in the fight. I'm in the fight with you. Um, as there are tons of other people, I think there's a big awakening happening. 
Um, and it's really encouraging. And like, yeah, it, there's definitely a sense of urgency that's it's not a wait for dot, dot, dot. It's like it's really time to roll up your sleeves and make a difference where you can and to stand in these principles. I know you got to run, Tiffany. Thank you so much. Is there uh, where can people find Moms for Liberty and anything else you want to say before we uh, before we finish up? Oh, thank you so much for that, Tony. So momsforliberty.org. Go to momsforliberty.org. There's a big map there. You can see a map of the United States. Click on your state. See if we have chapters in your state or in your county. We're set up by county. Uh, click to start a chapter if we don't have one in your area. You need a, a 10 like-minded people. You can't do this work alone. You need to build an army in your community. But 10 like-minded people, and you can start the process uh, of getting a chapter up and running. I promise you, you won't regret it. Who knew I was going to make so many new friends in my 40s? And I promise you that you know being unified with other people who are fighting is, is really a wonderful thing. You can follow us on all different social media. Moms, the number four Liberty on Twitter. I'm on Twitter too, at for Tiffany Justice. And I have a podcast. It's called the Joyful Warrior Podcast, where I try to bring on some of the most inspiring people, um, interesting people in, in this fight uh, about and, and working around the issues that are impacting you and your family today in America. Beautiful. Thank you so much, Tiffany, for your time. Appreciate your, your insight and your wisdom and just keep in the fight. We're with you. And thank you so much. Oh, thank you so much. Have a wonderful day. I hope you enjoyed our time with Tiffany Justice. To get involved or find or start a Moms for Liberty chapter near you, simply reach out to www.momsforliberty.org. Thank you, base campers, and we'll see you around the fire next week. If you find value in our show and wish to show us some love, we are now making that very easy to do. You simply go to www.basecampformen.com and click on Donate Support Basecamp. You'll find an easy way to make either monthly donations for as little as $5 a month, or you can donate just once. We love the monthly donation and hope to build this up over the coming months, but any show of support is greatly appreciated, honestly. Thank you for your support and for helping to keep Basecamp as a resource on your hero's journey. That's our show for today. Thank you for listening. Men, good luck in all your endeavors and good luck on your hero's journey. This is Tony Rezac and you're listening to Base Camp for Men.